Uh, we are going to continue this morning our uh, Shape Up series. We've talked about shaping up parts of our lives that we need to get uh, in shape because we just are out of shape sometimes. We carry around a bag that's full of junk and we need to get all that junk out and the stuff that's in there that needs to be shaped up, we want to work on that. Um, so two weeks ago, we talked about shaping up our attitudes, how our problem is not really our problem, but it's our response to the problem that becomes our problem. Um, we talked about keeping everything in perspective and choosing joy in the hard times. Last week, we talked about shaping up our faith. We talked about faith as hearing and believing that what God says is true and then acting it out. Uh, we also talked about the mission trip that we have the opportunity to take. Oh, this is a perfect time to, to act out and live out the faith that you have and the ability that you have to live it out. And today we are talking about a, a difficult subject. Um, this is one that's difficult for me. It's something that I struggle with. I believe in being vulnerable from the pulpit. I believe that that's when you le- learn and gain things. And let me tell you, this is a hard one for me. This is a, one that I struggle with still. And it's one that we will struggle with for the rest of our lives. And we need to make sure that we have a basis that we can fight those struggles and we can, we can grow even in those struggles. So this is a hard one today. We're going to talk about shaping up our relationships. Uh, there is so much that you can cover here. I want you to have, have a little bit of mercy on me. I want you to take, uh, take a gander around this room and see all the different uh, ages and relationship statuses of people in this room. There are married people. There are single people. There are young. There are old Try and think about how difficult it is to prepare a sermon on relationships for something this vast. Let me tell you, don't, don't tune out because you know, some, some of the married people are thinking, I'm not going to take advice from this guy. He has no idea. And, and I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not married, and I'm not talking about marriage. And the single people are like, he's just going to tell me, just wait, just wait till you find the right person. We're not talking about singleness either. We're talking about relationships in general. We're talking about every, you're going to come in contact with a person every day. Unless you're in, like, Siberia, none of you are because you're here. You're going to see people. You're going to have relationships. And so this message is literally about every kind of relationship. You can apply this in your marriage. You can apply this in your singleness. You can apply this in the, with the person that you run into at the grocery store. We're talking about relationships in general. We're going to be in three passages of Scripture, John chapter 4, Galatians chapter 5, and Matthew chapter 6. When it comes to this message, uh, we're going to go straight to, to Scripture. As, as I believe this is most important, Scripture is all truth. So we're going to go there and base this message on that. So if you have an issue with it, if you're like, why is this kid talking about this? Let me tell you something. This is straight from Scripture. And so we can talk about I would love to sit and talk with you if you have issues or, or, or questions or concerns with this. But also, this is God-breathed and God-written. And he has a customer service line that's always open. You can always call him and talk to him. And so he would love to, to answer your questions and your concerns. Considering that we are Christians, our relationships should look different than that of the world's. True? That's a, I believe that that is true. However, in practicality, that is not what happens. Uh, speaking about marriage for just a second, statistically, Christian marriages are not less likely to end in divorce. Statistically, it's becoming more likely for Christian marriages to end in divorce than non-Christian marriages. That is, that is a crazy statistic. That's something that we need to think about. When you think about your friendships and relationships that you've had, you've probably been backstabbed and hurt more by your Christian friends than by your non-Christian friends. 
and by Christian family members than non-Christian family members. And so what we have to think is, why is this happening? What's wrong? That means there's something inherently wrong with what we believe about relationships and the way that we execute our relationships. And so we as the church need to rethink these relational messages and get back to the basics, get back to what does Scripture say about how we do relationships. So if you want to go ahead and turn to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 5 through 18. This is a story that I'm sure you've heard, uh, but I'm pretty sure you've never heard it in terms of relationships. John chapter 4, verse 5 through 18. So he came to a town in Samaria called, who knows, Sychar, Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son of Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is too deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here for more water. He told her, Go, call your husbands and come back. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right when you said you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. We're going to stop there. <clears throat> this is a woman who's married five times. She's been married five times and is now living with a man, but they're not married. Okay, we need to establish who this woman is because this is important to the story. Women were never to go alone to the well. They were never to go alone anywhere, honestly. Uh, and, and this is for many reasons, safety, for, for the way it looked. I mean, you just wouldn't go alone as a woman to the well. This woman was also a social outcast. She was an adulteress. Uh, she was somebody that, that if you looked at her from the moral standard, she would not be looked at as a good person. You wouldn't want to be her friend in this time. She was also a Samaritan, and Jesus was a Jew. And yet Jesus went out of his way to talk to her. Jesus cares about all aspects of our lives. He's not just focused with your salvation. He wants you to live a godly life throughout. He wants to teach you and grow you in things throughout. You're not going to be perfect until, until we enter the kingdom of heaven. We're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up. But he wants to focus on other parts of your life too. So we have to think, it's important that Jesus talked about her relationships. It's important that he brought up her marriages because he didn't have to, okay? Which means he's trying to teach us something in this passage about relationships. He could have just talked about salvation and stopped. There's a well, drink from me, and then she goes away. But he says, go get your husband. And she, then he brings up the relationships. We know that's important. I think there's three main points we can take from this conversation in order to shape up our relationships. Number one, our most important relational needs can only be met by God. This is a very, I mean, it's a very churchy, cliche thing to say, but I want you to take a minute and think about this in terms of relationships. Our important, our most important relational needs can only be met 
by God. The reason this woman was failing in relationships was because she was drinking from the wrong well. She was trusting in people to fulfill needs in her life that only Christ could. She was searching for love and joy and peace and happiness and security, and we all are, but she was trying to find that in the wrong well. She was searching and drinking from the wrong well. He, Christ is the only one that can meet our deepest needs that no other person can meet. You know, when it comes to a failed relationship, when it comes to a failed friendship or betrayal or something like that, we often think about what we could have done differently in relationship to the other person. Well, I just, I just, chose, I just chose the wrong person. I just wish he wouldn't have done this, wish he wouldn't have done I always choose the wrong guy. You know, I always end up hurt. I always end up heartbroken. Well, here's the thing. Jesus never looks at her and says, the men in your life were the problem. He doesn't say, it was the men's fault that you've been divorced five times and now that you're not married to the man that you're living with. He doesn't say that. He says, you're drinking from the wrong well. He says, you're drinking from the wrong well. You're expecting people to do things for you and fill things in you that they were never created to do. People are going to fail you. They're going to fail you. They're going to hurt you. You're going to be hurt. But here's the thing. You won't die from that. You will be able to survive from that if you're drinking from the right well. If you're not depending on those people to fulfill your peace and your joy and your happiness and your love and your acceptance and your security, if you're drinking from the right well of Christ, then you can be hurt by people over and over again and live. You can be hurt by people and still thrive. You know, you hear people say things like, I, 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 can't, I can't live without you. Then you're drinking from the wrong well. You are. If, if you think that you can't live without somebody in your life, you're drinking from the wrong well. You're trying to depend on that person to fill things in your life that they're never going to be able to fill. And they will fail you. People will fail, especially when you're depending on them to fill things in your life that only Christ could fill. The only person that can supply our needs is Jesus. When it comes to relationships, the only real way to have a successful relationship, we're going to talk about this more in a second, but is with God in the picture. Think about Adam and Eve. The very, I mean, the first relationship is the Trinity, and God was involved in that. But Adam and Eve, the first humanly relationship. And God was there. God walked among them. He was with them. He presently walked with them. Our relationships cannot be done without God. So do we drink from his well. There's, I, I think there's four deep needs that every human inherently has and everyone that, that, uh, that want, that's our goal to fill these needs. And we're either going to try to fill them with people or we will successfully fill them with God. And there's, you know, acceptance, number one. We want to be accepted. But we want to be accepted for us, for who we are, okay? <clears throat> I want to be accepted on my good days and on my bad days. I want to be accepted when I'm in a bad mood and when I'm in a good mood, when I'm making a mistake and when I'm, when I'm doing great, when my hair looks perfect or when I cannot put enough gel on it to keep it down. I want to be accepted on those days. People wonder why I wear baseball hats all the time. I cannot stand doing my hair. It takes way too long. I want to be accepted for that. I want that to be okay. We want to be accepted. Good days and bad days. But let me tell you what, there's people that will fail you. 
We cannot, people cannot meet that need of acceptance in your life. Jesus met this woman's need for acceptance. She didn't have to change anything, okay? She was hurt. She was a broken person. And Jesus, in her brokenness, in her sin, in her failures, accepted her. You can be accepted in your mess. He's longing to accept you in your mess. That's just, that's just who He is. He's the only one that can accept you. Hebrews 13.5 says, says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Often we read that and it's like, well, that's a little bit redundant. Why would you say that twice? Well, it's two different things. Leave you is physical. God says, I will never physically be away from you. I will always be right next to you. Forsake you is emotional. He says, I'm never going to get away from you. I'm always right there. I will never hurt you. I will never betray you. I will always be there. I will always accept you. We also are always searching for our identity. We will always try and find identity. I want to I feel special. I want to know who I am. But let me tell you something about identity. There is one person that knows your true identity, and that's Jesus. He says, I knit you together in my mother's room. If you read Revelations, Revelations is very, very confusing, very hard to read, very hard to figure out, but there is deep, deep truths in Revelations. He says in Revelations that the name that you go by right now is not even your name. He says, I have a name for you. See, there is, there is other people on this earth named Landon. There's other people on this earth named Jim. They, they just exist, okay? Are they me? No. But that's part of my identity, and it, and it feels weird. You know, it's like, well, that's, that's mine. Where was I? Just the other day, I was ordering a drink at Sonic or, or something. Maybe it was in Abilene. And I was like, hey, I want this. And he, and he said, okay, what's your name? And I said, Landon. He said, hey, me too. I was like, well, that, makes, that doesn't make me feel special. That's my, that's my name. But, but in Revelations, he says, I have given you a spiritual name that you don't even know yet, but there's no one else alive that ever has existed, ever will exist, that has your name. And when we get to the kingdom of heaven, we get to learn that name. And we're the only person that has that name. Jesus is the only one that can give us identity. Your fingerprint, different than anybody else's. Who could have done that but God? Your identity can only be found in, in God, in Jesus. The third thing we're looking for, we're always looking for security. Let me tell you what, it is a, there is a, it, it's a scary time. In our nation, in our world, there are scary things that are happening. We are all searching for security. I remember several years ago, I can't remember when it was, but there was a, a shooting in, in Aurora, Colorado at a movie theater. And I remember me... You know, going to movie theaters, I would get scared at that point. I would sit at the very top and, like, look at everyone that came in. I was like, okay, that, that person's sketchy. That person looks safe. Because I was so scared. We are scared sometimes. It's a scary world. But you know what's, what's comforting? Is knowing that our Savior, the one that we can cling to and that clings to us, has the world in His hand. That's the ultimate form of security. It doesn't get better. If we trust the government to bring us security, they will fail. If we trust others to bring us security, they will fail. But when you trust the king of the universe who holds the world in his hand, that is the ultimate form of security. He will not fail. And we're also always looking for purpose. Why, why are we here? Why do we exist? And there's only, there's only one that can give us a purpose. 
no one else. People can tell you, I think you would be great at this. I think you would be great at this. You know, I was told my whole life, Landon, you need to be in ministry. You need to be a pastor. And I ran from that for a long time. But when God said it to me, I said, okay, deal. We can work with that. People can tell you what they think, but God can tell you the truth about you. The problem with the woman at the well is that she was looking for people to fill those needs, those four needs in her life, but she was drinking from the wrong well. And Jesus says, drink from me, drink from me, and you will never thirst again. All right, number two thing we can learn from this story. He empowers us to love people. We cannot love without God. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. True love. We always talk about true love. What is true love? You see these movies where you see somebody from a mile away and it was love at first sight and all this thing. What is true love? True love is the presence of Jesus. He says, it is impossible to love without the Spirit of God. You know, the Bible talks about being unequally yoked. It talks about don't be, don't be married to somebody who doesn't believe the same thing as you. And, and the reason for that, it's not that God is, is like trying to punish you. The reason for it is that that person cannot love you unless they know the Spirit of God. His Spirit is the only way that we know Love. And that's a, that's a scary reality. It's a, it's a big reality. But, but our emotions are kind of like... Let me think of how I want to say this. Your emotions and the Holy Spirit kind of function like a car and oil in your car, okay? When your car needs oil and you don't give it oil... Jim, I'm no car expert, but I have figured this much out. Your car will die <laughs> and it will burn to the ground, Okay? if you don't give it oil. In the same way, our emotions and our feeling and our desire to find love cannot function without the Holy Spirit. We will be destructive if we try. If you try and find love and know what love is without the presence of the Holy Spirit, it will be destructive. It will. And you won't be able to find it. You won't be able to be fulfilled. In the verse right before this, the couple verses right before this, he talks about verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like that. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a, this is a, a flesh versus the spirit kind of thing. He's saying when you live in the spirit, you can know love. You can know true love. You can walk in in true love. Without it, you can't. Without it, you walk in the flesh. And the flesh is all of these things. The flesh is these behavioral problems, these emotional problems, these failures, these sins, these things that hurt you. He says, that's what happens when you live in the flesh. When you trust the flesh for your emotions, not when you trust the Spirit. You will be guided by by one or the other. And so we have to make the decision to let the Holy Spirit teach us what love is and not let the flesh teach us what love is because the flesh will fail. People will fail. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can teach us how to love. A lot of our relationships are codependent. 
And I think that often that's, that doesn't even sound like a bad thing. Of course our relationships are codependent. Well, here's the thing with the codependent relationship. It's this. I'll give you a drink and you give me a drink. I'll encourage you and you encourage me. I'll say a nice thing to you, you say a nice thing to me. I'll be here for you and you're here for me. But the second that you stop, I stop. The second that I stop, you stop. Here's the problem with that. People are going to stop. <laughs> you are going to stop. There's going to be days where you can't, you can't, you don't feel like you can pour out anymore. And when someone can't pour out into you, then you can't pour into them. But here's the thing. That's the wrong well. Jesus says, if you drink from me, you'll never run out. And so if you're depending on people to pour love into you, and that's how you are able to love others, you're going to fail and you're going to hurt. But if you're trusting Jesus to fill you with love to where you're overflowing, it doesn't matter what people do, you can pour out love. It doesn't matter what they do to you, what they say to you, how they acted with you. You can still pour out love because you've drank from the right well. Jesus' water never runs out. Number three, we get to come to Jesus just as we are. Jesus taught this woman just as she was. He taught her and encouraged her just as she was. He didn't say, you need to go in things with that man and then we'll talk. He didn't. He said, let's talk. We don't have to change to be accepted by Jesus. We are accepted by Jesus, and then through him we can change. We don't ha it's not the other way around. So come to Jesus with your brokenness, with your hurt, with your sin, and he, he, he has a free gift for you of life that never runs out. You didn't have to do anything to earn it. It's free. You know, the idea of a, a free gift, it sounds a little bit redundant because if I walk up to Debbie with a Christmas gift and I say, that'll be, you know, that'll be $50. She's like, what? Because it's a gift. It's free. I don't have to earn it. She doesn't have to earn me giving her a gift. She doesn't have to pay for it. Same thing with Jesus and us. We get to come just as we are. We don't have to pay something. We just say, Jesus, I just need you. Relationships are so important. Uh, this one's not on your, uh, whatever you call these, message notes. This is not on there. Uh, but Mark chapter 5, verse 21. I want to read you just a quick story. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake. Mark chapter 5. Sorry. <laughs> I'm talking too fast again. Uh-oh. Other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I'm going to skip a few verses to number 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but is asleep. And they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took, them, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took the little girl by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were 
completely astonished. That girl's destiny and her life depended on who was in the room with her. Jesus threw some people out of the room. He brought very specific people in the room. Your relationships matter. They are important. This girl's destiny and future was shaped because she had the right people in the room. She had the right people in the room. Who are you when you walk into a room? Do you look like Christ? Do you, do you example Christ? Do people look at you and they, and they think, wow, he's just full of love and, and joy and she's just so encouraging? Or do you walk in and people share things with you and you laugh at them like they did? Are you, are you a pessimist? Are you an optimist? Who are you in a room? Here's the thing. There's grace to change. We have the ability to change who we are in relationships. We have that ability. Thank you, Jesus, because we fail too. We have the ability to change. But this is something we need to keep in mind. We are a part of shaping people's futures and shaping people's destinies. Relationships are important. Who are you in a room? If you were there, would Jesus have thrown you out? He threw people out. He threw some of her family out because they didn't believe. Who are you in a room? And who's in your room? You've got to make sure you have the right people in your room. You've got to make sure you have the right people in your room. Let Jesus help you dictate that. Let him help you work in it. But this is why it's important that we shape up our relationships. Maybe you have the wrong person in the room, but you want to work with that person and grow them to look more like Christ and grow yourself to look more like Christ in the process. That's good. That's good. Maybe Jesus is saying there's things in your life that you need to change. Maybe stop focusing on what everyone else has done wrong in a relationship and take a second and look at yourself. He says that in the Bible. Quit messing with other people. Quit judging other people before you look at yourself. Maybe Jesus is saying that to you. Maybe he's saying, hey, we need to fix some things. We need to work on some things. The good news is there is grace. When we fail, there is grace. And Jesus is so, he's so in love with you. And he's so in love with me. And he's so in love with us. And he just wants to grow us. But we have to be willing to say okay. We have to be willing to take the steps that he's asking us to take. So three steps. How do we fix our, fix our relationships? Three steps. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to take, take them from here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Again, you've probably heard this, and it, probably you're going to think this is not a relationship teaching, but we're going to get there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, or you, will, you too will be judged. For in, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Wow. <laughs> that is a big passage. Let's break it down. Number one thing, how do we fix our relationships? Seek first the kingdom. Seek 
first the kingdom. God knows what you need. We are worried and we are searching for other people to fill our needs. How am I going to feel love today? What do I need to do to feel love today? What do I need to do to feel peace and feel encouraged today? And I'm just struggling. Here's the thing. Stop worrying because God knows what you need. Seek Him first. Seek His kingdom first. Everything else is added. Everything else is added. You will not be able to be filled by other people. You won't be able to be satisfied with what other people can offer you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Sometimes we can't receive what He's offering because our priorities are off. Okay, And we think, God, you're not, you're not providing, you're not providing. And we think a lack of provision is something, but in reality, it's not a lack of provision, it's a lack of prioritizing on our part. Are we prioritizing our relationship with the Lord? Because He's going to provide, He always does. Focus your eyes on the kingdom. If you don't have your relationships prioritized correctly, God first, they're going to fail. There's some things that are out of your control, but one thing that's in your control is focus. You have the ability to focus on things that you want to. I mean, not obviously all the time. Sometimes you have to focus on something. But I'm saying in your heart and in your emotions and in your spirituality, you have the decision to where you want to focus. If you want to put your focus in Jesus and what he can do for you, if you want to put your focus in people and what they can do for you, people will fail you. They will fail you. Put Jesus first. Put your relationship with Him first. This is not on here, but this is something that just kind of stood out to me. In verse 6, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. This is just a random side note. That is a powerful passage when it comes to relationships. We give things away. I'm thinking about young folks in the room. We give things away so quickly. He says, stop giving what is valuable away. Do not give pearls to the pigs because they will hurt you. They will trample you. Don't give away what's valuable. Okay, set standards in your life. Set things that you want in your life and do not settle. Do not give that away. Don't give the the, the pearls to the pigs. Don't let the dogs have what's sacred. That's just, keep that in mind, younger folks. Self-included. Number two, how do we fix our relationships? Let go of offenses. Remember forgiveness. It doesn't matter what others do to you because we know what Jesus did for us. Okay? Let go of offenses. Quit judging others. Quit judging what everyone else is doing wrong and focus on yourself. Often we build, we build walls of these small offenses. I saw this done one time. Gracie, come up here real fast. You're not going to have to do anything. I promise. Just come stand up here. She's, she's like, I remember Dakota last week. I saw this done one time. I think it's a powerful image. So, Deco- uh, Dakota, Gracie and I are friends, okay? But I begin to only see the things that she's doing wrong, okay? I'm, I'm holding bitterness. I'm holding anger. And what it's like is every time I'm putting a fence post right here, and I'm putting a fence post right here, and I'm putting a fence post right here, and pretty soon I can't see Gracie. All I can see is the things she's done wrong. There's a wall built right here. She didn't build it. I did. It's time to let it go. Tear down that wall. Let it go. Because I can't even see Gracie anymore at that point. All I can see 
is the things that I'm holding against her. Let things go. Jesus did so much for us and forgave us for all of our mess. You can forgive others for their mess. Thanks. See, you didn't have to do anything. You were so scared. Number three, the last thing, and then we're done. We have to be like Christ in our relationships. Jesus had relationships, and He loved the people well. He served them. Jesus, Jesus, the King of the universe, got on His knees and served others. What? He washed people's feet. That's disgusting. That is horrifying. I hate feet now, and our feet are covered. They were walking around miles and miles in dirt in sandals or barefoot, and Jesus washed their feet. That's disgusting. But Jesus served the people he was in relationship with. He loved the people he was in relationship with. If we make it a goal to look like Christ in our relationships, your relationships will change. They will be shaped up. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We are so thankful for grace. God, we're thankful that that when we mess up, you forgive us. Lord, I just pray if there's any conviction in our hearts right now, I just pray that we would be motivated to change things. Condemnation is not from you. Condemnation is from the enemy. But Lord, if there's conviction in our hearts of things that we need to change, ways that we need to shape up, I just pray that we would be willing to take steps towards that, towards godly relationships and towards healthy relationships. We love you. We are so thankful for who you are and the ways that you challenge us and the ways that you lead us. God, thank you for being relevant and thank you for being present. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.